Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Ramadan, terrorism, and coronavirus. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. Today, yes, indeed, we're going to be talking about Ramadan, terrorism, and coronavirus, and how all three of these interact. It's really rather fascinating in 2020, while we're... Um, you know, Ramadan and terrorism are connected, and I'll describe how that works. But uh, now we have the added attraction of coronavirus into the mix. Jihadis are calling coronavirus the final nail in America's coffin. Now, um, during Ramadan, um, that is when the uh, Islamic terrorists continue each year to say that rewards earned for noble acts, you know, they're what they call noble acts, are greater during Ramadan. So they, um, their propaganda includes telling their followers to embrace martyrdom and um, become, you know, commit jihadi acts because this is the holiest month for Muslims, and it's the best time to kill so-called infidels. And I'll explain why. Um, there, the story of Ramadan is that, according to Islam, Ramadan is the month in which Allah contacted the Prophet Muhammad to give him the verses of the Holy Book, the Quran. So that makes it really special, and that's why, of course, there's fasting and feasts and lots of celebration for a whole month. Um, but since, you know, the um, since there is since it is this special time, uh, there are there are always calls during Ramadan because of the extra points that you get essentially for uh, perpetrating attacks, killing infidels during this time. You get uh, double the points, probably more than double. So this year, terrorists are urging their followers to exploit the coronavirus, the fact that we are on lockdown and weakened in various ways to carry out jihad. And particularly some examples, um, that terrorist groups are using as propagandists. You know, some of them are calling for lone wolf attacks 
against the West using vehicles and other crude weapons. You know, there's all different kinds of um, opportunities, especially because we are distracted and weakened uh, as we're trying to deal with coronavirus. So, so every year um, there are calls during for during Ramadan, I mean, before Ramadan starts and, and during Ramadan to increase the attacks. And um, ISIS, for example, has been calling on, uh, well, has been, have been praising the Chinese coronavirus as a justified punishment for infidels and, and calling um, as usual, but especially this year, for attacks. Now, it's the Al-Qaeda group um, that it is the one that has said that coronavirus is the final nail in America's coffin. Now, of course, what do they mean? They mean that America has been so weakened by coronavirus that it is going to be easy, much easier for them, Al-Qaeda and other terrorists to attack, not just in Ramadan, but in general. Now, um, for the vast majority of the world's Muslims, Violence is dissonant, is not um, in concert with Ramadan. You know, Ramadan is not, uh, a, for most Muslims, Ramadan is not a violent month. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, the there's the tradition of abstaining from eating and drinking and smoking and having sex and other physical needs every day. And this starts at the break of dawn until sunset and fasting and, and also uh, abstaining from these other pleasures. Um, and, and then there's feasting. And so it is not, the holiday itself is not connected for the vast majority of Muslims with violence of any sort. However, for terrorists, um, that for them, this is uh, the best time to commit attacks. And um, because, um, of the particular, uh, particular, uh, how, you know, how you're going to be able to attain martyrdom in a particularly strong way. So um, there, in, there has been documentation of the last three years of Ramadan, attacks during Ramadan, and um, the ISIS and the Taliban and Al-Qaeda have encouraged attacks and there have in fact been waves of attacks during these during this month um, and particularly isis and the afghan taliban were the most successful in provoking attacks now the middle east media research institute um, has de described why this is so you know why why this is the perfect time according to um, according to terrorists, the perfect time to, for why people should attack. And this is said to be a month in which Allah grants military victories to his, to his believers. So um, the, according to the Middle East Media Research Institute, um, because of the historic and religious and military significance of Ramadan, um, there is good reason to incite their followers to jihad, to jihad because they are able to obtain a better martyrdom. And this is what they say, quote, 
The commandment of jihad, which is of supreme importance at all times, assumes even greater importance during this holy month and gains precedence over all other commandments. On Ramadan, Allah grants fighters special strength despite or rather by virtue of their fasting. Those who gain martyrdom during the month of Ramadan are doubly rewarded in paradise. So, you know, of course, that is a good reason <laughs> to, uh, uh, for people to follow, to join, and to attack. Now, on the other hand, this year, well, not on the other hand, but in addition, this year, um, the celebration of Ramadan is coming during the coronavirus, and on the one hand, we have these terrorist groups who are encouraging attacks because of this double reward in paradise. Um, and at the same time, uh, and, and during this time, we are distracted and so on. But at the same time, it is, get, it is more difficult for a lot of people to attend services in mosques because it, it varies all over the world but in many countries or many cities, uh, mosques are closed and um, it is difficult for people to come in to pray. So uh, some, some religious leaders, have, just like you know, with other religions, just like we saw with um, you know, other religious leaders like uh, in the U.S. and all over the world, some religious leaders are still holding services either in their uh, temple or church or mosque or in their home or wherever they're encouraging people to come and particularly because in the U.S. In particularly because uh, of the idea that they don't want the government to to squelch religion to do anything to prohibit people from practicing their religion which really is you know a very important um concept, a very, a very good reason for why whatever religion we're talking about, um, people, the, the religious leaders would open up the doors. Now, there have also at the same time, it must be said, reports of such religious leaders, and I'm, I'm not talking about a particular religion, um, opening the doors and then people spreading coronavirus uh, amongst the congregation. So it is a double-edged sword. Um, and you know this so it makes it basically it's making everything more complicated just like it made easter more complicated it made passover more complicated and now it's making ramadan more complicated well when we come back i'll tell you more about this um what each of the different groups of terrorists are doing during ramadan how it's been changing the celebration of ramadan um, and how it's been changed in, in regard to coronavirus or because of coronavirus, and what um, different groups of terrorists are doing about it. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where um, I'm talking today about Ramadan, terrorism, and coronavirus. And I've been describing how um, the various terrorist groups are every year actually uh when it comes close to ramadan that is the time when they really work <laughs> overtime to try to get followers and to try to make their followers um commit attacks kill people and with the uh, incentive this the special incentive that during this special month um fighters jihadists 
are uh, supposed to get doubly rewarded in paradise. So that is quite an incentive. And there has, it has been documented that each year and around this time, there are more attacks. Now, um, a news agency went to Syria, a camp in Syria, and they asked wives of Islamic State jihadis what they thought about coronavirus, because this is kind of the whole point. The coronavirus is making the usual call to arms, call to attack, a little more complicated, in some ways um, a little easier, a little more attractive uh, because of coronavirus, because of all the ways that we are distracted and so on because of coronavirus, and I'm going to get into how a little bit later. But at the same time, um, you know, while, while terrorists are um, being encouraged to attack, people who aren't terrorists, <laughs> the majority of Muslims, are having a harder time being able to celebrate Ramadan because um, in some countries and cities and places, um, the mosques are closed or on lockdown. So now this um, news agency went to a camp in Syria and they asked the wives of ISIS jihadis um, about uh, what they thought about the coronavirus. And they thought that, that they said that they were immune to the Chinese coronavirus because it's a form of divine retribution from Allah against infidels and non-Muslims. I've mentioned that in previous um previous podcasts about this, but it's interesting to hear, <laughs> just interesting to hear it from the wives' point of view. And they said, the wives said, quote, Muslims won't die of this virus, only infidels will. God has sent his army. This is one of God's, God's soldiers. This is one of God's soldiers. In other words, coronavirus is one of God's soldiers. So that's what the wives in a camp in Syria have to say about it. Now, um, they're not the only ones, of course, as I talked about before um, in previous podcasts. They're not the only ones who are saying that uh, coronavirus is the wrath of God um, against infidels and so on. Now, um, you know, the... Uh, <laughs> They're um, talking, terrorist groups in general are, are except, except for uh, their own health, you know, being somewhat concerned about their own health, because boy, that would not be a good way to die by coronavirus. Um, that's not being a martyr, uh, you know, that's not killing anybody. That's sort of not the way to go, especially not during Ramadan. Um, but... Uh, they are, you know, they have been ever since it started, they have been uh, um, trying to provoke people to take advantage of our weakened state. And anytime that there is chaos, um, crisis, uh, terrorists try to take advantage of that. And by framing it as God's wrath against the infidels, against non-believers, that is a way to um, get want to be terrorists charged up to you know to feel like uh to feel like um not only with ramadan where you get double credit but um that this is like a perfect time because we're weak now 
when um, coronavirus affects terrorists, they change it around instead of saying that it's, you know, uh, God's wrath against the infidels, then they say it's God's test. It's like a challenge. Now, um, in general, in terms of terrorists in general, one of the reasons why this is a really this is really good for the terrorists, coronavirus, is good for the terrorists. And, and um, also, as I've said in the, before, um, terrorists are actually the original preppers. You know, they are in caves. They are sort of natural, um, naturally safe preppers. Uh, so it's... It's not going to be, except for, you know, where people are very close together and, if, you know, and they don't have very good access to medical care and so on, but in some ways they are protected. So one of the ways in which this is good, the coronavirus is good for the terrorists, is that because of lockdowns, more people uh, have more time to spend on social media. And because they, everyone is feeling, you know, wondering what to do about the uncertainty, how, what's, how, is, how is the world going to change after coronavirus, why did this happen, and so on, it makes people more vulnerable to believing in some of the propaganda that is on social media, that the terrorists put out on social media. So there are going to be more terrorist converts during this time. Now, of course, another reason why um, it's good for the terrorists, <laughs> coronavirus is, is because um, many of many countries have reallocated military resources. So, like for example, the United Kingdom, and Spain, and France withdrew troops from Iraq, at least in part because of coronavirus. Now, looking at ISIS in particular. Um, ISIS came at a very interesting time, uh, coronavirus did, <laughs> uh, because ISIS was on the rebound in Iraq. It had, it was, it, you know, it never died. We did destroy the caliphate, the, the U.S. did de destroy the caliphate, but that did not kill ISIS. Um, ISIS still is still alive and, and somewhat well. Yes, they lost people and, you know, they lost things. And yes, they were um, wounded, I guess, in a way. But it's not like they're going away. <laughs> this, you know, the idea of terrorists to, to destroy the West goes back for a very, very, very long time. So no one battle is going to destroy their underlying intent. So, um, so ISIS was on the rebound in Iraq, and then the pandemic happened, and um, it actually is helping them in that um, not only because it has weakened the, all the coalition forces, and as I was saying, some of them withdrew uh, altogether, but also the idea that this is sort of the apocalypse, that coronavirus is bringing the apocalypse that fits into what ISIS, um, one of their narratives as to why you should uh, join ISIS. Now, when the virus first emerged in Wuhan, ISIS called it God's wrath against communist China. Because as I've talked about in a previous podcast, and, and it really is super interesting, um, you may want to go back and, and hear that. Um, 
uh, communist China has been abusing Uyghur Muslims. I've talked about, for example, how um, they put Uyghur men in like sort of like concentration camps and they call them re-education camps. And, uh, and then they send um, men who, non-Muslims, they send them in to uh, t take care of, to sleep with, stay in the same bed with the wives. You know, the husbands are in these camps and the wives are alone at home. And, um, you know, they have some propaganda to explain why they're doing that. But basically it's to um, convince the wives to go along with, um, with communist Chinese, uh, the government's beliefs. So, so, um, so, you know, of course they, the terrorists are going to call it God's wrath against communist China. The terrorists, in other words, are not happy with China because of how the Muslims in China, the Uyghurs have been abused. And then when coronavirus hit Iran, ISIS changed what they called it, and they called it God's punishment for Shiite Muslims, idolatry. Then, um, this is ISIS we're talking about who said that. And then when the virus spread to the West, that's when they called it God's wrath against infidels and crusaders. Now, um, so, you know, using this kind of propaganda, they're calling on their lone, on lone wolves and so forth. Um, then there was a, uh, in, according to the newsletter of ISIS, um, that, you know, in their newsletter, they have been putting in these calls for jihadists to rise up against the enemy. And they've also been calling for uh, the idea of freeing Muslim prisoners. So they want Muslim prisoners, prisoners to be freed from Syrian detention and refugee camps. So it's not just to get people to attack, but it's also they want their, because, you know, I mean, it kind of goes along with America, how we are so mistakenly, uh, so wrongly letting out prisoners in our jails and our prisons, inmates in our jails and our prisons, letting them out before their time uh, because of the fact that COVID spreads, you know, they're in an enclosed place and so on, and, you know, it's easy for COVID to spread. So the solution is not to let prisoners uh, out because, you know, they are not going to be the ones being very, they're not going to be wearing a lot of masks unless they, unless they want to rob a 7-Eleven or something. But um, they're not going to care about six feet of distance and that kind of thing. And so that's a whole big mistake. But, <laughs> but it's kind of similar, you know, if we're going to be letting prisoners out of our jails and prisons, then um, why shouldn't ISIS ask for uh, their members to be let out of detention and refugee camps? And then, um, then of course, also ISIS is asking for um, their people, um, lone wolves, to weaponize coronavirus, to you know, uh, use coronavirus as an attack, and. Um, uh, you know, the, that in Indonesia, for example, there have been uh, a number of ISIS-linked networks that have called upon people who were infected to spread the coronavirus. And in particular, they, in Indonesia, they were asking for it to spread to law enforcement officials. Well, when we come back, I will tell you more about um, 
how these things intersect, um, Ramadan, terrorism, and coronavirus, and um, how after coronavirus, terrorism may not be the same. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about the Ramadan terrorism and coronavirus, how they interact. What may, why is this year not different from all other years in terms of Ramadan? That's like the Passover theme. Why is, we say, why is this night all different from all other nights? So I guess for this year, it could be uh, Ramadan. Why is this year different from all other years? And that's because um, it is being celebrated at a time when there is also coronavirus in the world. And that is changing things in a big way. On the one hand, um, it is making terrorist groups, terrorist leaders, uh, more giddy about trying to uh, promote and provoke uh, followers to uh, perpetrate attacks because during Ramadan, that is when they get double points uh, in paradise. If you kill people um, or hurt people, commit an attack during Ramadan, you get double credit, extra credit. So um, there's that, but that's really, that's every Ramadan. But, um, but this Ramadan, because uh, so much of the world is in disarray because we're all focused on uh, coronavirus and so much of the world is in lockdown and so on that um, the leaders, terrorist leaders, are using this Ramadan as a reason uh, to try to get people, you know, to convince people, to convince followers um, or make, you know, new followers want to be terrorists to uh, perpetrate attacks even more, that it would be worth their while this year, even more than all other years because of these factors. So um, in addition to that though, people trying to celebrate Ramadan, um, non-terrorists, well, I mean, I guess terrorists are celebrating it in one way, but the majority of Muslims are celebrating it in a non-violent way and they are having difficulty uh, getting to doing the normal things that they do in terms of going to mosques and praying and having large uh, family groups, you know, to celebrate the fast, the ending of the fast, and so on. So it's a, it's a very different um, Ramadan this year. Now, one of the ways in which, besides all that, <laughs> when uh, coronavirus is over, well, whenever that will be, uh, when the main, you know, what we're going through now, the main part of it is over, how is that going to affect terrorism? There are some who are saying that it may, terrorism is not going to be the same. I mean, it'll be the same plus. It'll be the way it was and then some. And uh, the and then some comes from the fact that uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, right now there is unrest and disarray because of people trying to protect themselves from getting COVID. But after the main part of COVID coronavirus is over, um, at least this first wave, because we're being told they might, 
there might be future waves, but let's just talk about this wave of coronavirus. After it's over um, and people start to go back to work or want to go back to work, uh, are allowed to go back to work, there are going to be a lot of people who actually don't have work to go back to because uh, in some businesses, they're going to realize that uh, they can conduct their business without as many people, you know, and a lot of people could be at home, that like how we've been doing it now, and so that could save money. And so there could be all kinds of cost-cutting measures instituted. Um, there is going to be, you know, the economy, the number one issue, well, jobs, of course, are related to that, but the number one issue is what is going to be happening to the economy. And that is... Um, that is a question that it is really hard for people, for the average person to get their head around. It's almost too, it's too scary to actually think about. Now, hopefully there are, I know there are a lot of economists who are uh, doing that right now, trying to get their head around it and trying to figure out solutions and so on and how bad it's going to be and all of that. But, um, but the fact that uh, that it, there are going to be all of these uh, this uncertainty, these questionable issues, the stock market going up and down every day, it's like a roller coaster. All of that is going to be affecting um, our society and affecting our mindset. And um, there are going to be uh, inequalities that are going to be more apparent after uh the coronavirus phase has passed and after we start to see after the uh the smoke clears and we start to see what impact this is having on everybody and so um there are going to be people who are going to be really angry <laughs> about uh the budget tightening that they're going to have to do um, there are going to be people who are fearing already there are people, there's all, there are many protests, of course, and um, because of not wanting big government to take over more or a, as much as they have been doing, you know, a lot of governors and mayors are enjoying the power that they now have, telling us all, to, like, like we're little rats, telling us all to go back into our little rat holes and uh, be good little girls and boys and stay put. And they have, this coronavirus has given governors and, and mayors so much more power than they ever had in the past. And a lot of them are power hungry and like this power and don't want to give it up. And in fact, that is a big part of why they're not telling us, uh, they don't want to tell us it's okay to come back out and resume life. Um, and so, so there are people who are like that, but then there are people who, particularly if they have been uh, affected very strongly by the economy, if they've lost their jobs, or um, if they have all kinds of medical bills, or, you know, there are going to be people who are even more 
desirous of big government than others. You know, and of course, of course, there's a, a big uh, political divide here. I mean, we, you know, <laughs> uh, there's no question who, who is who, you know. I mean, there were people before coronavirus, there were certainly people who um, were looking towards big government taking over, like, you know, mainly I'm talking about the people who were behind Bernie. Uh, there were lots of people who were asking for socialism before coronavirus struck. And so people now who are uh, going to have, you know, who are going to be having economical problems and, and various other problems who, you know, are feeling, are feeling, People are, you know, I, I was talking before about how 9-11, uh, the generation that grew up under 9-11, those were the ones who were more for Bernie, those were the ones who were more for uh, socialism. Well, it's going to be the same kind of thing that after coronavirus, more people, just like, just like that generation after 9-11, now more of us, more current people, um, are going to be wanting big government to take care of them. It's like, oh, wow, there's this big boogeyman out there, you know, whether it was 9-11, it was uh, reasonable, terrorists. Uh, not that, I'm not, nothing, I'm not saying, there's nothing reasonable with socialism or communism. So I did not, that's not what I was saying. But it was understandable how people would feel sort of helpless and so on and be, and want big daddy, you know, to, to take care of them. Same thing with coronavirus. There are going to be people who feel weakened, uh, physically weakened, scared of the world, wanting big government to take care of them. And that's very scary when there's an election coming up because these are, I mean, I know Bernie is no longer in the running. <laughs> in case you're thinking to yourself, hey, doesn't she know he dropped out? Yes, I do know that. But, um, but, Anybody who, any candidate uh, who might also be having those kinds of um, ideas, more socialism type ideas, and I'm certainly not talking about Trump, um, uh, those people, those people um, who uh, have been influenced by Bernie, let's put it that way, um, are, are, going to, are going to have people um, voting for them because of being scared, the same, the same idea, you know, wanting to be taken care of, fed, diapered, and so on. So the other thing that's going to change is that, um, is that after the coronavirus, is that um, there is, go there is more, there is going to be, there is already, but it's, there's growing, there's going to be more and more people who are seeing China as the enemy, communist China. I don't mean the Chinese people. Well, of course, that's part of the problem. A lot of people don't distinguish between the communist government of China and the Chinese people um, who are, you know, who um, are not, the ones who are not in favor of the communist, you know, government. Um, the China, most of the Chinese people are being, uh, are being, um, you know, abused, particularly the Muslims in China, are being abused by the communist government. And so it's interesting because um, China is now going to be seen as the big enemy, um, <laughs> rivaling terrorism, uh, other terrorists. 
and um, and terrorists, re regular terrorists, radical Islamist terrorists, are going to be more uh, turning towards China, turning against China, to you know turning against them because of seeing them as being um, being really uh, having treated really badly the Muslim population, the Uyghurs. And so there is, you know, there's going to be more of a focus from everybody, the radical Islamists and the rest of the world against China. So it's interesting, it's going to be really interesting to see how this changes the, um, uh, you know, the pieces, change it like a chess game, how it changes things in the world of terrorism. Well, that is left to be seen, and I'm sure uh, we'll be talking more about that in the future. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.